Well, we are concluding our message series this morning on prayer. And in this series, we've been looking at some of the difficult questions that we sometimes have around prayer. And today we're looking at the question, what about unanswered prayer? And the series title is Wireless Prayer Connections. And, you know, as Forrest was saying earlier, we have some pretty remarkable wireless connections in our world today. We have cell phones, uh, wireless printers. Chris could print off of that phone in the back of the sanctuary to the printer in the office without any wires. We have Bluetooth technology and on and on. And to demonstrate some of the wireless capabilities of our day, we started this series with the uh, online poll. And I thought that we'd end the series with one again today with some questions about prayer. So if you've got a cell phone with the capability to text with you, go ahead and get that out. If you've got a data package on there, a flip phone will work, anything that you can text on, go ahead and pull out your phone. Okay, those responses to that poll were sent wirelessly out into space, and they, then they, in, um, well, I guess highly technical language, bounced off a satellite and, and uh, were sent back to the computer and then projected on the screen, which is pretty, ma- pretty amazing. But as I said the first week of the series, God's been doing wireless communication for centuries and um, since the beginning of time. And when we pray, our words aren't just sent out into space. There is a God who listens and responds to our prayers. He cares about us. He loves us. But I do think that we've all had those times when our prayers seem to bounce off the ceiling. And in fact, I would guess that we would all pray more, that we'd be more consistent in our prayer if our answers did appear as quickly as those answers appeared on that screen. You know, you prayed... Uh, you sent up this text and immediately got an answer back, you know, you got it, or uh, no, I don't think you really want that, you know, (laughs) some way to get an immediate answer, especially when we get those yeses. I think our prayer life would be greatly improved. But that's not how prayer works. God is not a vending machine in the sky. He's all-knowing. He's all-loving and kind. He's just and wise. And because God is God, even when he intends to answer our prayers with a yes, he doesn't always do it on our timetable, does he? Uh, Anybody experience that? It's not always as quickly as we would hope. And because he knows what's best for us, he doesn't always answer with with a yes. Uh, Sometimes it's a not yet or a wait, and other times... It's a no, and you know, we think he didn't answer our prayer when it was actually, he did answer it, and the answer was no. And many times that's a good thing. Uh, There was a well-known song a few years back, or maybe several years back now, I guess, by Garth Brooks called Unanswered Prayers. Anybody remember that song? Familiar with it? Well, that actually came out of an experience that he had where he went back to a high school football game and he met a girl there that he had known in high school and remembered how in high school he was nuts about her and had prayed to God that he would, you know, someday marry this girl. And that didn't happen. And when he meets her again years later, he 
kind of says to himself, what in the world was I thinking, you know? And uh, he looks at his wife and he whispers, thank God, thank God. And so out of that experience came this song, and these are the words, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Southern song, I mean a country song. Last line with me. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I might be somebody's unanswered prayer, you know. <laughs> but don't laugh, so might you. You know, someone somewhere is going through their yearbook. Oh, thank God, thank God. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. It's fundamental to our understanding of prayer that God always reserves the right to say no. Uh, otherwise, we would find ourselves in a mess, wouldn't we? Uh, because we just don't have the knowledge of what's good and right that he does or of the future or what's really going to be a blessing for us or for others. And those things are limited in our uh, abilities. We're limited in those. And that's why when we experience the disappointment of unanswered prayer, we need to have a faith that will carry us through that, that moment of disappointment onto that time when we see a better day. And so this morning we're going to look at four faith-building actions that we can take when God seems silent. If you want to pull out your message notes, four actions that will build up our faith when God seems silent. And the first is to examine our life for scriptural hindrances to prayer. And if you turn over your message notes on the back there, I've listed some scriptures that as we go through the Bible, you find some indications and some guidelines that can help us to understand why sometimes our prayers aren't answered. And of course, this is not blanket. You've got to find it in here someplace. Um, God works in mysterious ways. But these are some things that can hinder our prayer. And so as you look down through that, um, you'll discover that some reasons why God might not answer our prayer. And usually it's because something's amiss in our heart. For example, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And as you read down through here, you'll see that the key to answered prayer isn't that you live a perfect life, but that we come to God with humility and from a sincere heart, not cherishing sin, but turning from it to seek God's will and his purposes in our life, not our own. God's primary goal is to form us in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to mold our character so that we are becoming more and more the kind of people that he can trust with his power. Uh, God wants to move mountains in your life, but he's not going to answer a prayer with a yes that is going to lead you or off or open the door to ungodliness in your life or more self-centeredness. God is forming your character. Uh, in 1 John 3, 21-22, John uh, writes this, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask 
because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. When we examine our hearts and confess anything that we find, then we can come to God with a clear conscience, knowing that God hears our prayer and have the faith to persevere in our praying. Then the second thing uh, that we can do is to remember God's faithfulness in the past. How many of you have gone through some tough stuff at some point in your life? Just really hard stuff. I think, you know, we all have. And if you're in the midst of difficult circumstances right now, it, you know, this, it's pretty unlikely that this is the first bump in the road that you've had in life. And so as you wait on God for answers to your prayer now, bring to mind the ways that God brought you through in the past. God is faithful. Uh, he's carried you through things in the past, and he'll carry you through right now. I was remembering when Forrest and I um, went down to Kentucky so that I could go to seminary, and, and he gave up a teaching position that he had held for 23 years, teaching in the same room, to go down there to Kentucky to try to find a teaching position. And, and it, he just stepped out in faith to, to follow me <laughs> and to follow God and his call on our life. And um, God didn't give him a three-year contract. He had to, every year, he got a one-year contract while we were down there for three years. And he took a $13,000 pay cut to go down there. And we had our three kids in college. Two of them were living in our home here in Michigan and going to college themselves. So we had the mortgage there and the expenses of getting them groceries and that kind of thing. And so it ended up that he and I were living on about $25 a week for groceries and gas while we were down there. And yet, you know, that was the time that I looked back on and uh, saw our faith just grow in leaps and bounds as we saw God do amazing things uh, in our lives during that time. And as you read through Scripture, you find this over and over that people of great faith, even when life isn't going as planned, trusting God's goodness and faithfulness to bring them through. Uh, the writer of the book of Lamentations, he's in the midst of lamenting all of the horrible things that have happened to God's people as they've been carried off into exile to Babylon. And he writes these words in the middle of all of that. Lamentations, not these words, those words. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. God's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Anybody recognize the words to, to that? Great hymn comes right from the scriptures. God is faithful. He is so faithful. And he'll increase your faith while you wait on God. If you recall the times when God has made a way for you, remind yourself of the way that God has brought you through, and that will strengthen you as you wait on him now. And then the third uh, action that we can take, uh, number three, do your part and trust God to do his. You know, sometimes if we were perfectly honest with ourselves, God's already shown us in his word or through other people or through circumstances or just by his Holy Spirit speaking to our heart, what we need to do next. 
And we sit around and we wait for God to answer our prayer uh, while he's already given us the steps that we need to take. Uh, You know, God can miraculously deliver a person from an addiction. But most often he does that through things like AA or Celebrate Recovery. Uh, When we pray that God will help us overcome loneliness, yet we sit at home, don't volunteer at the free store or uh, visit neighbors or get in a small group or volunteer someplace. Uh, God's, you know, we're not doing our part. We're expecting God to to do everything. Uh, Sometimes we ask God to heal a relationship, and yet we're hanging on to the past and refusing to forgive. And so we're limiting God's activity in our life. And, you know, there are times when what we're praying for absolutely depends 100% on God moving and his action. But often uh, we're waiting on God to act when he's already given us the next steps that we need to take in order to see our prayer answered. Uh, One of the quotes in the video last week was, pray to catch the bus and then run as fast as you can. It's those kinds of statements that acknowledge this tension that we often experience when we talk about unanswered prayer. What is God's part and what is my part? When does trust mean that I sit in silence and wait for God? And when does trust mean that I become active and make some plans and start moving forward and trust God along the way to empower me and guide me uh, while I'm in motion? Has God already shown you your next step? And are you willing to take it and participate in God answering your prayer? And then the fourth uh, action that we can take is trust God to work everything together for good, even if you don't see it in this lifetime. Uh, Forrest and I had the opportunity finally to watch the movie God's Not Dead this last week, and The storyline of the movie is this young Christian goes off to college and he signs up for a philosophy class only to discover that the professor of the class is an atheist who has great disdain for anyone who would profess faith in God. And as the story unfolds, you find out that this professor was actually raised in a Christian home but watched his mother die of cancer even though he had prayed uh, fervently for her to be healed. And so um, he comes to the conclusion that there is no God. And he's very angry about his mother's death, and he can't bring himself to believe in a God that would allow that to happen. And, of course, this is a fictional character, but throughout my ministry I've, uh, I've seen this kind of thing uh, numbers of times where unanswered prayer has just devastated somebody's faith, where they have... Um, either given up on God or come to the place where they really don't think that we serve a God who cares and answers our prayer. And um, I really uh, don't know, I can't really explain why God answers some people's prayers and other people's prayers uh, don't get answered. But God asks that we trust. Uh, This... uh, Last week we ran into a young man, uh, Forrest and I had kind of the painful experience of starting a church and then having the conference decide to close it after five years of um, 
time and prayers and uh, love and just working really hard. And, and um, so that was a very difficult and painful thing. Didn't really understand. And, of course, we were praying all the time that, that God would somehow help us and intervene. And, um, and yet it closed. And last week we ran into this young man who had been a part of the church. And uh, he had originally, when we first started the church, he was 11 years old. So he was in the children's ministry. But then as he got a little bit older and was too old to be in that, he became the teen helper and uh, worked side by side with Forrest. And we had the joy of when he was 15 years old of uh, baptizing him and seeing him come to faith and just how much uh, he just kind of came alive in Christ. And so when we ran into him at Meyer um, this last Monday, he was telling us that uh, he's a junior in, high, in college now, and he was telling us that next uh, year he's going to South Africa and explore going uh, into becoming a missionary. And so you you just don't know how God will use your life, and maybe that's, you know, I hope we've made other impact in other people's lives as well, but we never know how his life is going to impact lives of, of hundreds of other people. So we just have to continue to trust God, and I don't have an answer uh, for why uh, some things happen and why some prayers get answered. But I can point you to a person. I can only tell you that at the heart of the gospel is an unanswered prayer. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed and he made this request of his father. My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. And this is the most earnest prayer ever prayed. <laughs> from the most humble spirit ever that ever lived, from the most sinless heart that ever beat, to be rescued from the most unjust suffering ever known. And all it got was silence. The cup was not taken away. The request was denied. And as I was looking at that story again this week, I was thinking about Jesus' request and reading that, and I'd never really thought about why does Jesus use the metaphor of the cup? Why doesn't he just say, Daddy, is there any other way? But he asked that the cup be taken from him, and so I, I did a little research on it, and I discovered that in the Old Testament, when God talked about punishing sins, he often used the metaphor of a cup of wrath. And when the prophets would talk to the um, uh, God's people and about their sin, he would warn them that if they didn't turn from their sin, they would drink from God's cup of wrath. And yet, in other places, the cup was used to represent good things that God was doing. And David says this in Psalm 116, verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And as is true today, you know, that the content of the cup will either bring blessing or harm. You know, we're, we're refreshed by a cup of water, but no one wants to down a cup of bleach. The bottom line is that Jesus drank from the cup of God's wrath so that we could lift the cup of salvation. And I don't know why some prayers get yeses and some prayers get noes, but I knew, do know the anguish of a no. And I don't know why. 
I only know that in the cross, God's no to his only son was turned into God's yes for every human being who would ever live. God saw his son through the most horrific day and brought him out on the other side full of life, and he can be trusted to do the same for you and me. God asks that even when we don't understand, we continue to trust that he'll bring good in the end. Our memory verse last week was Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Right? We get it memorized. And I thought it would be fitting to add verse 7 to our memory verse this week, where Paul goes on and says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bring your request to God. Trust him to work everything together for good, even if you don't see it in this lifetime. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's close this series uh, by reading that together. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Would you pray with me? Our loving God, we we thank you that you are who you are that you're constant, you're steadfast, you never shift. There's no shadow or changing in you, that you're completely trustworthy. And though we don't always understand your ways, God, we know that you're good, and so we trust in you, and we put our trust in you. And I pray for anybody here today, God, who's going through a difficult time, that they would be able to continue to persevere, that they'd lean into you, continue to walk with you and trust that in the end you'll bring them into a good and beautiful place. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.